Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Tonight is the night we've been waiting for it, for at least for us news junkies and political junkies, and maybe for you too. Senate candidates John Fetterman, Democrat, Lieutenant Governor currently, and Dr. Mehmet Oz, Republican, facing off this evening, 8 o'clock tonight, in the only, the one and only scheduled debate of this high interest contest. So let me tell you something. Nobody studies elections, political campaigns, I don't care who, in the nation, in the world, nobody studies this stuff more than my husband and my better half, Larry Menti, Emmy Award winning, anchor, host, television, news, reporter. I don't know. Is that a good intro, Larry? No, that's really good. And (laughs) let me say a couple of things right off the bat. First of all, your audience should know you're sick. Like you are legitimately sick and you sound great and you never take off and you are doing an amazing job today, considering you have a sore throat, you have a cough, you have a fever, all of that. And, uh, and, and everybody at your station should learn from you that you come in no matter what. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, the second thing is I can't believe that we're, that you're having me on about this. Let me just tell you that I, I have nothing to do right now because the station in New Jersey sold. So all I do is look at these numbers. And so I'm like, if you follow sports, I'm like one of those nerds that know exactly what a batter does on a three-two count. And so, uh, you know, that sits next to you do the game when you're trying to have a good time. And I hit Dawn when she comes in the door <laughs> to say things like, can you believe that Mitch McConnell is pulling super fund, super uh, packed funding from Don Boldick in New Hampshire. And she says, can I just go to the bathroom? Can I? And I'll wait. And then I'll start again. And she yawns so big, the National Weather Service has to name the yawn. And I'll keep going another 25 minutes. And then she finally says, hey, I got to go in the yard and do yard work. But I look out there. And she's downing vodka. Stop. Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. It, it's tequila. <laughs> Even the dog gets upset with you, buddy. He's like, yeah, oh, no. can I have a minute? <laughs> right. I know. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I love this stuff. And I just look at the polls constantly. So give me your, ta- you, give me your take. Oh, go ahead. Want to just jump into the polls? Yeah. All right. First of all, when you look at the polls and you hear on CNN and MSNBC and and all the networks that it's nine states that are up for grabs, that's complete BS. There's there's not nine states that are up for grabs. There are four of them you can take off the table right away. I never knew why Florida was considered in play. Marco Rubio is going to win that easily. In Ohio, forget the polls. Ohio is very difficult to poll. There has been a seven-point bias, the biggest in the country when it comes to Ohio. J.D. Vance is going to win Ohio easily. I don't even know why North Carolina was on their 
this could go either way list. North Carolina is going to the Republicans. It's going to be Ted Budd. He's going to win. Ron Johnson is another. Wisconsin's another state that has a bias towards Republicans Mm -hmm. and gives it to Democrats. That the the bias in that state over the last three elections has been four point three points. So Ron Johnson's going to win there easily. Take all of them off the board. Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz is going to win. It, unless there's something in the last couple of days that happens. The, the, the margin is about two points right now. They say Fetterman's ahead. The margin of error when you take the 2016, 2018, and 2020 elections, the bias towards Republicans in Pennsylvania is 3.9%. That's how much they've underestimated the GOP vote. Remember, in 2020, Biden was ahead in the polls eight points going into Election Day. He won by 1.2 points. So uh, are you yawning yet, Don? I'm not (laughs) yawning. He won by 1.2 points. Pennsylvania is going to go Republican. And and I, I think the states that you really have to watch, because Nevada is going to go Republican as well, the states you really have to watch. So just right there, Republicans are taking the Senate by one by one seat. The states to watch are going to be Georgia and Arizona. And as it's trending right now, and there is an absolute trend in the polls towards Republicans, even Nate Silver. The guy who used to be objective, but now he works for NBC. And so every poll, he talks about how he doesn't believe it when the Republicans are ahead. Even he is acknowledging now there's an absolute trend towards Republicans. So if that trend continues, I believe that the Republicans are going to take Georgia and they're going to take Arizona as well. And it's going to be 53 seats they're going to have in the Senate. And then in the House, they are easily going to take the House easily going to take the house they say there's 35 toss-up mm-hmm. seats the republicans can win 30 of them they might they might come out of this thing with 250 seats and once again it'll be a midterm election where you turn on nbc or you turn on cbs and they're going to go oh we don't know how that happened <laughs> yeah, remember- it happens every midterm every yes. midterm they have no idea that it was going to happen So and the governor's races that nobody's paying attention to, the Republicans are going to pick up five. Uh, They're going to come out of this with 31 governorships. So to 19. And that's really important, as we found out during the pandemic. So um, there you go. Dawn, now you don't have to listen to me when you get home. Nice. So two things I'll ask you about, because you you love to talk about likely voters, because you study these polls, likely voters versus registered voters. And then I'll ask you about because you and I know and have covered Obviously, we've known and covered um, Josh Shapiro, originally from Abington, for many years in our TV news careers. So I'll ask you about what you think about the gubernatorial race between Shapiro and Mastriano. But start with the likely voters versus registered voters and why we should look at the polls and be able to read them better. Yeah, I talk to Dawn about this all the time. I'm, I'm close to going out and protesting with signs. I have no idea why anybody pays attention to polls that I have, I have a clue, uh, which I'll share with you, but I don't know why anybody pays attention to polls of registered voters. 
They have a series of questions they normally ask when they do likely voters. Did you vote in the last election? Did you vote in the last two elections? Did you vote in the last three elections? If they get somebody that says, yes, they voted in all these elections, that's a likely voter. Registered voters are just people that are registered to vote. They may not show up at the polls. They may have never showed up at the polls, and yet they're counted. The reason I believe that they take these registered voters is because that always benefits the Democrats. So we get back to the bias in the polls. That's the reason. That's the entire reason that they count registered voters. So when they take all of the polls and do a conglomerate of all the polls, like the Cook Report does and and Real Clear Politics and 538, they all do that. It's always going to be a little bit skewed to the Democrats. So nobody should be surprised when they're off, because the registered voter polls are useless. I'll give you an idea of how useless they are. I haven't been paying attention to it closely recently, but about a month ago, the Pew Center looked at it, and they found out that 30 of 31 polls that just did likely voters, all Republicans would win in those races. Every single one of them. Republicans win. And if you do registered voters, it was 50-50. And so that's why I, 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 they should just get rid of registered voters. And so if you look at a poll, please look to see if they're talking to registered voters or likely voters. If it says registered voters, just don't even, don't even pay attention to it. And so when we look at the Trump factor, let's bring that in. I mean, it's doing, Carrie Lake doesn't hurt her does it hurt? You know, they're using that in the gubernatorial race here in Pennsylvania for governor, you know, the candidates for governor against Mastriano. How much do you think the Trump issue factors in here? It depends on what state you're talking about. Um, in some states, it really hurts. In other states, it really helps. I, I, I do want to I want to talk about one thing, too, that you were right about and I was wrong about. So I know you're going to love this. Um, but I think it, it all depends on the state where that happens. Obviously, Trump candidates don't do well in Democratic states or even states that lean Democratic, but they do extremely well in Republican states. Now, I talked to you the other day. I was kidding you. I was kidding at the top of the show when I said to you, can you believe that the McConnell Super PAC took money out of New Hampshire and they're, they took $5 million out of New Hampshire mm-hmm. and they're putting $9 million into Alaska? Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, that's because McConnell's trying to stop Trump. He hates Trump so much. And Murkowski, of course, Trump can't stand, is trying to beat. And I said, no, I don't think so. I think Murkowski is just in a tough race. I was completely wrong, completely wrong. So I looked at it today. Murkowski's toughest challenger, Senator Murkowski's toughest challenger, is Kelly Shibaki. And she is a Trump candidate. In their election, the top four people in the primaries run. The Democrats don't have a shot for that seat. Lisa Murkowski, by the way, has come out and endorsed the Democratic congressman who Sarah Palin is trying to unseat. uh, unseat. Mm -hmm. The Republican Party in Alaska has come out and censured Mitch McConnell for doing this. So he is purposely giving up New Hampshire, it seems like, where... Hassan might lose. I mean, she's only three points ahead. And when you take the bias in the polls into account, she may lose. And he's taking money from there and putting it into Alaska where a Republican was going to win. 
right. either either Murkowski or the Trump candidate, they were going to win. And he wants to make sure the Trump candidate doesn't win. So you called that early and you were absolutely right. Yeah. And so I just I'm just going to predict early two weeks from the, you know, the election that Lisa Murkowski and her little buddy, Liz Cheney, maybe they can go out for a girl's vacation to Aruba or whatever, because I think Lisa Murkowski still won't win, even with McConnell, even with the money. You think Shabaka is going to win? Yep. That's interesting. She's she's down like four points in the polls right now, but I guess that's too close for Mitch McConnell. By the way, in New Hampshire, the latest poll, Donald Bolduc, who is a retired brigadier general and is an impressive candidate, he has come within three points now. So just when they pulled the money, he pulled up in the polls and is within striking distance of taking New Hampshire. Let me see if I can find the. Oh, listen to this. So the bias in the in the polls is 5.4%. Repub- uh, they've, they've underestimated the Republicans, mm-hmm. 5.4%. So you put that into the New Hampshire poll, he's winning. And they pulled the money from him when it, when it matters the most. Unbelievable. So take and me... It was, and you're right, it was a purely an anti-Trump move. Yeah. And see, this is where Republicans, unlike Democrats, who, ca- who are... Democrats always seem to have the ability, at the end of the day, to come together under one tent and push one candidate and agree. And it's something that we saw, we've seen previous to the never Trumper so-called movement. But I, I just think sometimes in this, in this crazy time, especially with the economy, I think it can backfire, which brings me to come around to talking about the, you know, the election for Pennsylvania governor. Um, you have a well-known well-respected Democrat whose name, especially in the Philadelphia area, is a big name, Josh Shapiro. And then you have him running against a combat war veteran who's, yes, now a state senator, but, you know, served in the, you know, U.S. Army up to the level of colonel up until 2017. The polls are tightening. Do you think that Doug Mastriano, state senator, has a chance? Does he have a chance? Yes. Is he going to win? I don't think so. And Mastriano uh, made a fatal mistake early on. First of all, I don't know whether he had trouble raising money or people just weren't giving to him. But either way, his problem early on is he he allowed Josh Shapiro to define him. And we know much of that was unfair. But anytime you allow the opposition to define you and you don't get out there and define yourself, you're probably going to lose. And so I I heard a caller earlier talking about Mm -hmm. why Josh Shapiro is not debating. And you were absolutely correct. He has defined Mastriano. He doesn't want to give him a forum to get up and define himself. He doesn't want to give him a forum on television to to come up and say, no, this is who I really am. And in all the Mastriano ads, he's been attacking Josh Shapiro. I think he needed to spend some time saying, this is who I am. Don't listen to what they say about me. This is who I am. I'm not that extreme. Mm -hmm. I believe in life. I believe, you know, go through all the things you believe in. I believe in fair elections, all the things that most of you believe in. But I am not that extreme in those positions. If he was able to do that, whether you believe that or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, mm-hmm. he can, should have gone out and told people and, and allayed some of the fears about him. Yeah. And he never did that. 
So if he loses this election, it's because uh, of early on. It's not anything he can do right now. Mm -hmm. People have made up their mind about him, and and it's really a shame. I think that some some of it was he didn't have the money, because if you remember, Josh Shapiro was kind of defining him Mm -hmm. before the Republican primary. Right, because he He ran unopposed, so there was no primary for the Democrats, so he had that advantage. So he spent some of his money trying to get Mastriano the Republican nomination, and then, boom, as soon as he got it, he had ads out coming after Mastriano. So I I would be surprised if if Mastriano wins, but it's possible, again, because of that bias in the polls, the fact that in the polls they underestimate Republicans in Pennsylvania. In some states it's really huge, and Pennsylvania is one of them, um, where they underestimate by about four points. So uh, it's it's very possible that Mastriano... We're going to have some surprises. Yeah. It's going to be surprises that are going to shock. I just can't wait to see the faces on some of the anchors. That's my favorite thing. Yes. I I don't know how this happened. (laughs) We we have to go back to the pollsters. They were way off on this one. No, you were all off. You were all really off. Well, I hope that Uh, they question the results and then we can call them election deniers. And that'd be a little fun. Um, Oh, I bet it'd be funny. What a great point. What a great point. What is going to happen? Will they, will they, when Stacey Abrams going to challenge the results, she's going to get trounced, by the way. Is Stacey Abrams going to, going to challenge the results in Georgia? That would be perfect. That would be a perfect ending for this. So Larry Menti, my husband, you grew up in this area, born and raised, a Bonner grad, obviously. And so, as far as the, the sports scene will end on a very positive note, you know, your favorite, I don't know, sports memory, Phil's, Eagles, your brother Bobby who played football, your family, favorite sports memory as we move forward to heading into the World Series with our Philadelphia Phillies. Can I comment real quick on the, on the debate tonight? Of course. And then get to that? Okay, the debate tonight, everybody has to stop talking about Fetterman and his stroke and that he's not going to do that well because they got, they said debates are all about expectations and they've lowered the expectations for John Fetterman so much that if he doesn't draw on himself and call for mommy, he's going to do really well. Everybody will think that he done, he's done really well. So (laughs) people have to stop. They have to stop lowering the expectations so much for John Fetterman that he just has to stand upright and he'll win the debate. And that's what I'm afraid of tonight. Unless it's really horrible for Fetterman, uh, unless he really can't answer questions and uh, and he loses it, um, he will be seen as a winner of this debate only because the expectations are so low. Now, my favorite sports moment. I'm sorry, I just wanted to get that in. (laughs) But my favorite sports moment uh, is obviously the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. That was a magical, magical year. It was unbelievable. And other than that, uh, when I was a young kid, I got to meet Tony Gonzalez in an elevator who was an outfitter for the Phillies. So uh, that was my other big <laughs> moment. It was it really made me a Phillies fan. But I just want to make a correlation and between that Eagles team and this Phillies team. Mm-hmm. This wasn't supposed to happen for the Phillies. It, just like that was not supposed to happen for the Eagles. It was a surprise. The Phillies were the last ones in to the playoffs. They had the least amount of wins. And something, this, something magical is happening, happening. So I know Houston's considered a better team. I know Justin Verlander in the first game is the most dominant pitcher in baseball. 
I have a feeling the Phillies are going to take this because it feels so much like the Nick Foles Eagles. It just feels like this was meant to be. So that was my favorite Philadelphia sports memory. There might be a new one. It might be this. <laughs> this is so unlikely. I hope so. Larry Menti, thank you for weighing in for sure. I appreciate right, you. I'll, I'll talk to you more and bore you more when you get home. No, no. We, we fulfilled that. <laughs> All right. See you later. Have a good one, Larry. The- <laughs> oh, Anthony cut him off. Great. I'm going to hear about that. No, I'm teasing. You know, we talk about expectations, and you can always have the highest of expectations when you turn to my friends from the Piazza Auto Group. They've served the automotive needs of our entire region nearly 60 years now, and they're going to help you find the right vehicle no matter if you're leasing, financing, or purchasing a new or certified pre-owned model. They're going to take care of you, and they've got it all. 14 brands, including Honda, Acura, Mazda, Hyundai, Volkswagen, 25 area locations, so they're sure to have a dealership right near you. Just visit them online, P-I-A-Z-Z-A, PiazzaAutoGroup.com, Piazza. Let them know Dawn sent you. Former city controller Rebecca Reiner has just announced she is running for Philadelphia mayor. And you you may remember that when she had released a, a report that was critical of District Attorney Larry Krasner, he had called her out and said, hey, when you're running for mayor, you know, don't, don't, uh, and obviously she had not officially announced, but she's in the running. So it'll be a good contest. And I think we'll see, because we have such a wide field of people who want to run for mayor, the nice part for all of us, because it'll be competitive, is that we're going to see a lot come out. We're going to see more transparency just by the nature of different candidates getting nasty at each other. And not that I, you know, okay, I like that, but not that that's what I want. But I, what I do want is to learn more about what's happening with regards to the city of Philadelphia and the mismanagement. Because I think there's no question with the level of bureaucracy and just, I mean, just people who just don't deserve their jobs. And we pay, we pay for that. And during the pandemic at a time when a lot of people lost their jobs. So it is, it has really been uh, frustrating. I think a, a frustrating time in Philadelphia. And, you know, when we look at what's happening in the polls and there are more economic numbers to come out over the next week, as the fed is expected to again, raise rates, maybe three fourths of a percent. And then again in December, and yes, I, I appreciate you when you write to me and you say, well, you know, um, the Federal Reserve chair, he was appointed by Trump. Oh, he's Jerome Powell is quite experienced and highly respected, right? And so he, he's worked in multiple, multiple administrations. And that is an absolute fact. That's true. But for whatever reason, he... Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Delayed, he delayed taking action to mitigate our economic troubles as we look forward. 
All right, dealer's choice. I'm I'm running out of voice here as I've been fighting something. Our, you know, our youngest son has been was sick, missed a week of school, so I've been fighting this. So, Anthony and Jimmy, I'll, I'll give you your choice. Is it Phillies? We got to get to our granny who fought off a, you know, she became a crime fighter. We've got Phillies tickets, and then I forget the third choice. We've got three different choices for yes. great. St- oh, and beach tags. Oh, my goodness, the price of beach tags down the shore. Yeah, how about let's start with that. Uh, beach tags, obviously, everyone loves going down to the shore every year. And uh, with inflation affecting everything, this is just the latest. Uh, this was a report uh, on beach tags locally here in New Jersey. From gas to food, we are paying more for just about everything. And next summer, it's going to be more expensive to go to the beach in one of New Jersey's t- New Jersey's most popular shore towns. NBC10 Jersey Shore Bureau reporter Ted Greenberg has more now from Ocean City. Hitting the beach in Ocean City in the fall costs Linda and Michael McDaniel nothing. But next summer, they'll have to shell out more for the first time in years. Doesn't bother me at all. Whatever helps out for him is good for me, especially if it cuts down on my tax. It is definitely a user fee. City Council voting unanimously Thursday night to raise beach tag prices across the board, some by double. Daily tags will jump from $5 to 10 bucks. Weekly tags from 10 to $20. Seasonal tags will cost more as well. I disagree with it. I just think that um, it's too expensive for families. If we want to maintain the highest level of standards for a beach in New Jersey, it's an absolute must. Local leaders say charging more is a necessity. They point to recent inflation plus a number of other factors, including higher costs on just about everything involved to maintain the beaches. Are you concerned that some folks might decide to go somewhere else? Sure, that's always a concern. Uh, whether we raise beach tag prices or not, you're always concerned with your competition for one reason or another. But I think that Ocean City, our brand, our safety, our track record, and everything else that we do well here will outweigh the issue. An increase is okay with me. I, now, the amount of the increase, that's for debate. This hasn't happened here in quite a while. The last time the city raised seasonal beach tag prices was in 2011. Daily rates haven't changed in two decades. Yeah, so that's the latest. I have to wonder if, in part, they're trying to mitigate the cost of paying lifeguards so much more. Some lifeguards were making as much as $25 an hour, and they want to put more lifeguards on duty, as we had tragically down the shore in general, not not just Ocean City. We had all those drownings. But then also we had all those teenage parties, and I don't know if you call it a rave officially, but all those teen parties, and they had to pay a lot of police overtime. And so I wonder if they'll go to, I don't know, some kind of a beach tag in the evening for teenagers partying on the beach. I wonder if that will help mitigate the police overtime costs. So we will wait to see on that one. But beach tags doubling the price for next summer, that will not go over well, no doubt. So we'll continue to cover it for you, among other things. There's so much more to tell you about right here on The Dawn Show. Some 40 million Americans with student debt are now in limbo following an appeals court's stay that has blocked President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness program. So already we know 22 million people applied to the program that is designed to forgive as much as $20,000 in student debt per borrower since the application went live earlier this month. 
However, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals has issued this temporary stay in response to that emergency motion brought on by attorneys. And I've told you about these cases where several Republican-led states and attorneys general had, in fact, applied for at least a temporary stay because they said that this was in contradiction, this federal you know, executive order, if you will, and we talked about this yesterday, um, now is, is really complicated with regard to programs that are in conflict with the state level. So the ruling prompting questions about what it means. What does this mean? There's a stay for borrowers, especially if you already applied for debt relief. And what may happen next as legal challenges continue to unfold here. So the court's roadblock may increase financial anxiety for borrowers. That's what they're saying. Because why? Well, we've had a student debt repayment hiatus that was during the pandemic. And I think that it was started, I believe, under the um, presidency of former President Donald Trump. And then the Biden administration continued that. So now the advice here is prepare for the worst case scenario as this makes its way through the courts, that repayments will begin January 1st upcoming. So right after the holiday season. And so the stay, it's a temporary hold placed after the lower court ruled that that September lawsuit from the GOP states lacked standing. So in this one, now the courts are essentially, they're going back and forth on it. The Biden administration has encouraged people to still continue to go online, apply for the program, but advocates and financial experts are saying, well, just just have a backup plan here and prepare when the hiatus ends. Be prepared to start making payments again starting January 1st, just in case. Another big story, of course, as a Border Patrol talking about these record migrant numbers. And this was um, actually uh, on a couple networks, including especially on Fox, former Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott. He said that 2.4 million apprehensions have happened at the southern border during the 2022 fiscal year. So not year-to-year January, right? It's it's different because what does it start in July? Is that correct? Um, so it's, it's a, the fiscal year is different than what we think of when we celebrate New Year's Day, right, on January 1st. So top Democrats declining to comment on these staggering new numbers from U.S. Customs and Border Protection showing that a record 856 illegal migrants were actually killed trying to cross the southern border last fiscal year. And I told you about this, that I have... I have a number of um, people who I know, friends and sources, who've been down at the border in different capacities, and some of them federal workers who, you know, their job would be threatened. They're not allowed to talk, uh, unfortunately. I would love to interview them. I would love for you to hear some of the stories. But it's tragic as we have people, you know, even family people with children, and they're trying to, for example, swim across the Rio Grande, and, and they don't make it. And it's treacherous. And of course, we've we've covered the stories of people, you know, in those heated in those in those the back of those semi trucks and so on. I mean, it's just tragic. But CBP has said that 856 migrants have died tragically at the U.S. southern border in the fiscal year of 2022, the highest deadliest ever on record. And there have already been 25 deaths in fiscal year 23 
which as you know began that just began in October October 1st. And so that's according to this latest data. So the numbers show um I mean my goodness, a quarter of a million, more than a quarter of a million migrant encounters just in the month of September. And that figure is the highest September total in the history of the Department of Homeland Security. Huge increase over prior Septembers. So the list goes on and on, but we just have to look at this and wonder how it affects not just the border towns, not just the Arizonas. And actually, we'll, let's play um, the candidate we've talked about, former anchor woman in Arizona, Carrie Lake, as she talks about the border in Arizona. Listen in. Let's talk about this, this team. Kari is governor. Blake is senator. Um, now, we have seen, it was amazing, 50, what, two volunteers went to Martha's Vineyard. They were off that island. They couldn't get them off the island fast enough. Yeah. They, 24 they hours, a, gone. They a sample, a little taste of what we yeah. deal with, with 50 people who are here illegally, illegal aliens going to Martha's Vineyard, and we deal with hundreds of thousands who have come across our border. Yeah. And what, now, I'm not a big fan together, of shipping though? them around the country. I think I've told you that before. But I do think it illustrated what yeah. we're dealing with. And it showed that they immediately wanted to deport the people. Yet they don't want us taking control of our border on our own. But we will. We're going to, with my border plan, take control of the border on our own. You are not going to take, you don't care what Joe Biden says. You are going to do everything within your power. And we see, listen, I've talked to Greg Abbott a lot. He has tried every single thing within his power. As governor, you don't have the authority to say you're you're out of here and send them back. Well, what we're going to do is go to the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 10. Right. We have an invasion on our border. Within the first hour of my uh, my administration, we're going to issue a declaration of invasion. The people want it. The people demand it. And we are going to take control of the border. Article 1, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution allows us to do that. We have an invasion. Our people are in danger, and there's no time for delay. We meet all three criteria, and we're going to take control of the border. And even in cases, you know, to, and that's, you're listening to the, you know, obviously Sean Hannity with a town hall style um, interview there. So there was a live audience. But even in situations, and I've heard people talk about this, whether on a border town, whether it's Arizona, whether it's Texas, where people believe that, you know, the, the migrants, illegal migrants, they're trying to help our family people, and they're very compassionate, and their churches trying to raise money and give them clothes and this and that. Even in those instances, people have just said we're overwhelmed, and it's overwhelming our services for foster kids and homeless people and that sort of thing in our own community, and especially during a time of of great recession, of a, of a, excuse me, of a lot of, you know, high prices and tough economy, I should say, inflation. So we'll follow it. Here's what Larry Elder, I always get a kick out of his commercials. I don't know if you watch Larry Elder and see him on the different stations on Fox and so on. But here's what Larry Elder, his take as he talks about um, the illegal immigrants and these record numbers that we're seeing even continuing in September and now October. Listen in. I had a two-step plan to save California when I was running. Keep the illegal aliens... By the way, how much better off would California have been? <laughs> Seriously. My, my two-step plan, keep the illegal aliens, deport the Democrats. <laughs> uh, I'm not in favor of term limits, except for voters. Maybe if you vote Democrat two or three times in a sin. row, you ought to not vote anymore. Term limits for voters. <laughs> I think I'll support. So a little humor this is there, a bl- obviously... 
as uh, there's a town hall. Do we need to take a quick break here? Yes, we'll take a quick break. Right around the corner, we'll have the crime-fighting grandmother that has gone viral. So in a moment, we'll have the latest warning on some of the scams. Unfortunately, scammers trying to take advantage of those of us trying to get tickets to see the our fills in the World Series. We'll have that in just a moment. But I want to talk about and, and take you to a crime-ridden area of California where a grandmother decided to fight back. Let's listen in. On 7 tonight, a remarkable story coming out of West Oakland. A cane-wielding great-grandmother saved another senior from getting robbed. Take a look. Tonight, I spoke to that woman who ran out to help. She's known as 76-year-old Miss Faye. She witnessed that man coming out of a car to snatch her elderly neighbor's purse (laughs) earlier this month. You heard her yelling for her German shepherd, Troy, to come out and help. Miss Faye, using her cane, jumped in to break up the robbery attempt, even throwing her cane at the car. Were you scared at all to jump in? Because most of the time, people are worried there might be a gun. I never thought about it. The fear never crossed my because I'm crazy, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just something that's in my nature. I do things and I don't get a, uh It doesn't bother me until maybe a couple hours later. That's the way I've always been. <laughs> she is something. Now, because of Miss Faye, the suspect did not get away with her neighbor's purse. Law enforcement never encourages anyone to interfere with the crime in progress. So Miss Faye is grateful because she knows this situation could have been so much worse. Indeed. We love Miss Faye and her fighting spirit. And it helps to have a great dog like Troy. I don't know what the history is with the with Yeah, the he dog. was like right by her side. <laughs> it was funny. So... Let's go to the story because there are, unfortunately, you know, when there's all this great news and positive energy and Phillies tickets going on sale, there's um, there's always that evil element, those scammers. So here's a warning. Listen in. Anthony found this of scammers trying to take advantage of Phillies fans. If you want tickets to the World Series, the Phillies say you should sign up for the ticket lottery on their website. You have to fill out this form to register for the opportunity to buy tickets to a game at Citizens Bank Park. According to the terms and conditions, you have until 11.59 tomorrow night to register. If you're selected at random, you'll be notified via email on Thursday. If you're one of the chosen fans, you'll be eligible to buy a max of four tickets to one game. If you don't get tickets directly through the MLB, the Phillies say StubHub.com is the only other place to buy tickets because it's their official resale partner. The StubHub Fan Protect Guarantee says you'll get valid tickets to the game or you'll get your money back. According to the Phillies, they can't guarantee the authenticity of resale tickets from any other vendor. StubHub is also the official resale partner of the Astros. We checked StubHub's website and tickets for Friday's game in Houston are selling for between $396 and $13,000. Keep in mind, the Phillies say all World Series tickets are digital tickets. There will most likely be an animated object on the ticket that helps the teams know that it's not a copy or fake. Yeah, so that's Tracy Davidson, great consumer reporter in Philadelphia, giving that advice for sure. I would love... Did you did you guys do it? You guys probably already oh, yeah. did it. Oh yeah. I didn't even do it yet. 
I put in a couple emails, but I don't know. You know, it probably goes by your address, so I I don't know. It might not matter, but I'm hoping I get one of them. Dom, well, Dom, it's we, a smart one. You know, we have the advantage where we can maybe get a maybe score a press pass or something. Dom Giordano, <laughs> yes, yeah, get in with Dom. <laughs> Uh, no press pass for me so far, Don. So I don't know. You may have better connections here. Well, Anthony, definitely. He seems to, you know, be in the Odyssey box. So he's oh. a favored son. Not always, but yeah, I did get in for you, the Cowboys th- game. We, who knew there was an Odyssey box? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I uh, find out if there's a Sixers uh, Odyssey box. That's where I want to be. <laughs> you ready yeah, to boo? Especially after last night. Yeah. No, no. I love the Sixers. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Hey, what's coming up? There's so much well, happening. Well, uh, coming up, Dawn, uh, after the blow up yesterday over Larry Krasner, yeah. uh, Republic, uh, Democrats today are accusing in Harrisburg that uh, they demoralized, uh, the Republicans did, crime victims by parading them in. This is the latest. Please. This is where they go. You can't top that. Also, I have the details of how it will be set up for the debate tonight, where the lecterns will be, et cetera. And you get a minute to answer. Well, if Fetterman can't process an answer, is that a way to run out the clock? Does he get the buzzer? Ooh, this is a good good question for sure. The great Dom Giordano is up next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.